0: You're tuned into the Hearing Matters Podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaze Delfino of Audiology Services and Faderplugs, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. Before we kick this episode off, a special thank you to our partners. Oticon, life-changing technology. Sonic, every day sounds better. Starkey Hearing Technologies. Hear better, live better. Redux. Faster, drier, smarter, verified. On this episode, we have the one and only co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Bob, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Blaze. So great to be with you.
0: It is such an honor to have you on the Hearing Matters podcast. You and I were briefly discussing a little bit about the book before the show and how amazing it is for individuals in my industry to give the gift of hearing every single day. Bob, you talk a lot about the entrepreneurial spirit, but what about those who aren't entrepreneurs? Does the
1: message in the go-giver still apply to them? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting because when you think about an entrepreneur, you think it's someone who's in business for themselves, has maybe taken a risk of their capital, other people's capital, combination of each sweat equity The you know, the, and they're dependent upon the marketplace saying, yeah, we like what you have. So their job is to please the marketplace, right, to bring value to the marketplace. And so that's an entrepreneur. But a person who works maybe within another company, we would call them intrapreneurs. And the reason why is because they still have customers they have to please. Now, it may not be the end user, but their customer is their supervisor, their employer, their fellow colleagues, uh, someone from that other department they've got to get some information from that might not be willing to do that. So what that intrapreneur has to do is also serve their customers. Yes. And so it's always a matter of of finding ways to bring value to others. So sure, the principles work and, and they 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 hold, whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur.
0: Bob, I'm a huge Jordan Peterson fan. And he talks mm-hmm. about entrepreneurs, and we're not very conscientious. <laughs> so how important it is to have that manager partner to kind of keep you on track and That definitely reminded me of when you were just talking about entrepreneurs, that this entrepreneurial mindset is not just start a business, sweat equity, raise funds. It's really all about value. Now, let's go back Mm -hmm. to the value. How does a person add value to others without costing too much money, especially in such a competitive economic environment?
1: Yeah, well, it's a great question. So first, let's look at what value really is. And let's look at it in relation to price, okay? Because so many people think it's the same and it's it's not. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that brings so much worth to another human being that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you make a very healthy profit. Now, on a very basic level, we could say that, let's say you help someone own a device that helps them to hear better. Okay. And the price may be, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars or or more, whatever. But what is the value that you're giving them? Right. Yes. That value Mm -hmm. you're giving them is enormous. You're allowing them not only physically to hear things. You're allowing them to be involved in their family conversations. You're allowing them to be part of life itself. Again, you're allowing them to to hear conversations, to be able to, to watch and listen to various media you could look at everything you're giving them in value, and it's much more than the price they're paying that's why law number one, the law of value, says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment that doesn't mean you don't make a profit, you make a wonderful profit. you should make a great profit because you're providing so much more in value to that other person. Now, the question then comes, okay i I get that sure i 'm giving great value for this the product that I'm selling. And absolutely. But, you know, it's a commodity though, really, because all my competitors are doing the same thing. And yes. then it becomes who has the lowest price for all this, this value. Right. And Hey, you know, if you sell on price, you're looked at as a commodity. If you sell on value, you're seen as a resource. And for something as important as hearing people want a resource. Yes. Okay. So the question now becomes, OK, well, how do I and this goes back to your question, how do I add value to that person's life in such a way that I distinguish myself from my competitors and kind of take price out of the issue? First, the short answer is you become that additional value. You're that value. They're buying you before they're buying the device. OK, OK. And so now the question is, well, how do I do that? How do I become that? How do I communicate that additional value? And the good news is there are dozens, if not hundreds of ways to communicate that additional value, but they tend to come down to to five, what we call elements of value. Now, these are not the five laws of success in the book, which are value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. No, these are five elements of value within the law of value. And these elements of value are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy and appreciation. And to the degree that you can communicate one or more, hopefully all five of those elements of value from the moment you meet that person through the relationship building process, through the follow-up and follow-through, through through the sales process, through the referral process, that's the degree that you're able to kind of take both your competition and price off the table.
0: When a patient comes to our office and they are a first-time hearing aid user, and maybe they haven't had their hearing tested in the last 15 to 20 to 25 years. Number one, it usually takes patients 7 to 10 years to actually make an appointment with an audiologist or hearing healthcare professional when they first feel as though that they present with a hearing loss. So this patient, they're coming into the office, they could be scared, uneasy, Mm -hmm. they know friends or family who have tried hearing aids, and they just didn't work, As hearing healthcare providers, we have to understand the feelings that these patients are feeling. And Bob, when a patient sits down with us, we always say, for example, Mrs. Smith, I am not here to sell you anything. I am here to help you make an educated decision with regard to your hearing healthcare. And the stress of, they're going to sell me a hearing aid, (sighs) comes down. Because number one, yes, we do fit hearing technology and we do sell devices, but That's not my main goal, Bob. My main goal is to drive so much value. Mrs. Smith, this is how we can help, and this is how the device is going to help you increase speech understanding, decrease overall listening effort. So again, that's something that we've been implementing for quite some time. But of course, following, reading, The Go-Giver, providing so much value, resources like this, like the Hearing Matters podcast, to assist them throughout their new hearing journey.
1: Well, what you're talking about really is the focus, okay? And and this is where it all begins. And that's why we say that the basic premise, if you will, of of the go-giver is simply that shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And not for any woo woo way out there, magical, mystical type of reasons, right? But for very solid, very, very logical, very rational reasons that Dr. Peterson would enjoy, right? You know, because he's very much rational and logical and wants people living in truths and to, to understand that. And here's what the truth is. Okay. When you're that person, when you're that audiologist who can take your focus off yourself and place it on that other person's interests, looking to serve them, to discover really what they need, Mm -hmm. what they want, what they desire. When you can move your focus off of yourself and onto solving their problems, when you can take your focus off yourself and place it on helping to bring them closer to happiness, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to do business with you. They want to be in relationship with you and they want to tell others about you. And, you know, what you were saying is the, you know, the goal isn't the sale. The goal is the value, right? And Mm -hmm. well, that's very true. This is why we say that money, John David Mann and I both say that money is an echo of value. Yes, that's all it is. Money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which simply means the the focus must be on the value you're giving or providing that other person. That's your focus. The money you receive is a natural result of the value you've provided. Is the sale important? Of course it is. It's part of business, but it's really part of helping that other person. Because if the sale doesn't happen, they're not helped. But that can't be your focus. The focus can never be the sale. The focus is on helping them help them and communicate that it's of help to them, and the sale happens.
0: Bob, one line in the book raised quite a few eyebrows. It's where you and John wrote, does it make money? And it's not a bad question. It's a great question. It's just a bad first question. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when in the startup phase, might Uh disagree with you and they might even say it's the only question when it comes to business otherwise you're just naive so what do you two mean let's take a quick break running a private practice is challenging and it's especially difficult if you're using a management software system that's out of date or doesn't really fit your needs. As a former private practice owner, I personally found Cycle to be such an incredible tool that is easy to use and is really in the best interest of my patients. Cycle provides you with industry-specific workflows and features for a smooth-running front office, and if you've been listening to the Hearing Matters podcast, you will know that i believe that the front office staff is really the most important position in a hearing care clinic learn more at cycle.com that's s y c l e.com enjoy the rest of the episode
1: yeah so so here's how i would respond to them okay understand that nobody is going to buy from you because you need the money Nobody's going to buy from you because you want the sale to happen. Nobody's going to buy from you just because you think your product is great. Okay. And nobody's going to buy from you just because you're a really nice person, which you probably are. People are going to buy from you only because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's the only reason why anyone should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. So if you lead with your first question being, Will it make money? Well, that's about you. They're not interested in that. Instead, the best. And remember, we didn't say asking if it will make money is a bad question. We said it's a great question. Bindar, the mentor, told you, oh, great question. Just a bad first question. First, ask: Will it serve?" Mm. So is there a market for it? And by the way, when you're asking yourself that question, if the answer is yes, great. If it's no, you've got to ask yourself, am I willing to put the time, money and effort into creating a market for it? And you might be, might not be, that's a personal choice. Um, But you first got to live in truth and ask, is there a market for it? Will this product, will it serve? Will people want it? Because if it serves and people want it, Well, that's what's going to cause the sales to happen. But then you've also got to take it a step further, though, right? You've got to ask, will it make money? Because it can serve. You can have everybody wanting to buy it. But if it's not profitable, then what you've got is a very, very expensive hobby. Yes. Okay. so asking if it will make money again is a great question. It's just a bad first question. First ask, will it serve?
0: Bob, that reminds me a lot of the Starkey Hearing Foundation. Bill Austin is the founder of Starkey Hearing Technologies. He founded the company in 1967. And Starkey Hearing Technologies is the world's privately held hearing aid manufacturer. The question of will it serve? That is what Starkey as a company has been built on. Mm. They have fit millions of individuals with hearing instrumentation with hearing aids, children, adults. And the foundation is an extension of Bill Austin's heart. And it's incredible because when you have companies like Starkey, you are leading with the heart. And when you lead with the heart and you are giving without expecting anything in return, that is when amazing, incredible things happen. Because if you give with the expecting of getting something in return, that's not giving. That's manipulation.
1: Yeah. You know, I think really in in a sense, I would even say it's giving without the attachment Mm. of having to receive. Because I I actually I want people to have positive expectation. Okay. I want you to know that if you go out there and serve, that you're creating that benevolent context for your success. Not again, not for any magical, mystical reasons. This is how the world works. When you go out there in the market and you provide value. And remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's what they believe to be of value, mm-hmm. not not what we believe to be a value. It's what they believe to be of value. And when we do that without attachment, without that emotional need to have to. Now I know you mean though when you say give without expectation, you're giving for the sake of adding value. It's not. But I do want people to have positive expectation. I want people to have a but but it's the attachment that is the the killer in business, because when you're attached to the results, Right, people can sense it. Yeah, they can. They can smell it. Right, they can. Yes, right? yes. And, No, and absolutely. It, it doesn't work out. So we've yeah, we've got to give because we we know that our job is to give value to the marketplace. We do it the right way, and we do it without attachment to the results from any one particular person.
0: It's sort of like that law of detachment. Dr. Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra talk a lot about that, and absolutely. Bob, a hundred percent. Bob, out of curiosity, are there misconceptions about what being a go giver is? I mean, the name itself almost implies that you give constantly. Can you be taken advantage of that way? For example, how does a go giver tell people, "No, I don't want to do that"?
1: So, so let's. There's a few questions in there. So let let's kind of take them one at a time. The first is are there misconceptions about being a go-giver? I think when people haven't read the book and they they just read the title, then yeah, I think it's naturally, being, oh, you're just giving yourself away, right? Or you're not making a profit. Well, obviously that's not true. You couldn't stay in business very long. In fact, go-givers tend to be very, very profitable because remember, they're selling not on low price, they're selling on high value, mm. okay? There's the misconception that You know, a a go-giver might be, you know, a a doormat or something. You know, let me let me just assure you, there is nothing about being a go-giver that is in any way congruent with being a doormat, with being a martyr or with being self-sacrificial in any way, shape or kind. It's simply understanding that that, you know, that you when you focus on others, right, that they're going to feel good about you and they're going to understand the value you're providing. And they're going to want to do business with you. It, it, mm. When you think about it, it just makes very logical sense, right? So can you be taken advantage of? Well, the answer is yes, but not because you're a go-giver. You can be taken advantage of if you're doing things in such a way that you're taking advantage of, but that has nothing to do with being a go-giver, right? And, you know, so I often say to people, if, if you feel that, you know, you're, there's a pattern of being taken advantage of. Now, I'm not talking about once, twice, you know, every so often in your life, life is life, it's gonna happen unless you just never leave the house, it's gonna happen every so often, but I'm talking about a pattern of being taken advantage of. If that's the case, it's not because you're a nice person, it's not because you're a giver, it's because you're doing things in a certain way that's creating the environment for you to be taken advantage of. Mm. And if that's the case, the first thing I would do is say, congratulations for acknowledging it, because it's only when we acknowledge an issue that we're in a position to be able to work within it and overcome it. Okay. But then I would suggest you, you know, ask yourself certain questions. Why is it that every time I'm taken advantage of, I'm part of it. I'm always there. I'm always one of the players. Right. So it's not just other people. It's me that's participating in it. Right. Why is that? What's the payoff? And by the way, it's what's the unconscious payoff? Because there's nobody who says, hey, I think I'll be taken advantage of today. Right. Absolutely. But no, <laughs> but there are unconscious payoffs for this. It might be an excuse to not be successful because there'd be too much pressure to be successful. So every time you start to do something that's really making some some progress, you get taken advantage of and you lose money or you lose reputation or you look what have you. It might be that uh, you not you, but a a person that one kind of has a payoff of being the victim uh, as a, a way of seeking attention. I mean, again, I'm not saying anybody. Has I'm saying there are always reasons why if we are constantly being taken advantage of, there's something going on with us that feels the need for that to happen. It's always unconscious, but it needs to be discovered so that you can then get, get past that. Wow. And then you asked about how to say no. Yeah, and absolutely. And this is very important, <laughs> very important, because as a go-giver, you're going to probably be very, very successful. And the more successful you become, the more people want things from you. And you just can't say yes to everyone. We all have a limited amount of time and energy and bandwidth or whatever you wanna call it. And while you'd like to say yes to everybody for everything, it's it's not realistic. It's not something that we can we can do. Again, it's important to live in truths. And so let's say, for example, you're asked to serve on a committee. Okay, could be with your kid's school or it could be in the community. It could be uh, on, you know, in your organization, whatever it happens to be in your associated what what have you. And you just for whatever reason don't want to do it. And, you know, people have been taught to that, you know, no is a complete sentence. I don't go for that. Because first, it's rude, it's impolite, right? To just say no, you know, you're right? Uh, I'm not sure how that <laughs> saying came up, but about 15 or 20 years ago, people started teaching that no is a complete sentence. Well, you know, you do that, and you're going to turn people off. Oh, yeah, forget close it. Close <laughs> doors. And it's also, and I would bet that doing that is incongruent with your value system of treating people with kindness and respect. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise that. Then there's the kind of little white lie, you know, well, I would but I I just don't have time right now. Well, the problem with that is that you know that it's not that you don't have time, it's that you just don't value doing that thing Mm -hmm. as much as you value not doing that thing. But here's here's the other part of it. That person who's asking probably hears this excuse a lot and they know how to work with that. And so when they persuasively communicate to you that time will not be an issue, now you're in a real fix. Now you've got to either admit that you were just fibbing because you don't want to do it and they're going to lose some respect for you and you're not going to feel very good about it. Or in order to save face, you've got to accept the gig, which you don't want to do, which again, I don't think is is the, the, is the appropriate either. Let me give you kind of a, a sentence to use, okay? That if you'll practice this just a few times and, and stay with it. It will absolutely set you free when people ask you to do things that you just don't want to do. And you can change the language a little bit, but basically it sounds like this. Thank you so much. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked.
0: That's powerful. That's I like that. Yeah, no, and that what Bob you... is a complete
1: sentence. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And it's a respectful and <laughs> yeah, polite. Absolutely. You I like thank that the person. You let them know how honored you were to be asked. So you say it's not them. It's it's you, you, you. But you've also let them know it's not something that you that you are going to do. Uh, but what you didn't do is you didn't give them an excuse that they could hang their hat on and, and overcome. Now that said, let me just do a little asterisk, depending upon the relationship you have with that person and the specific situation, it might be appropriate to tell the person why. Right. Okay. Okay. But usually, usually not though, all things being equal, it's best to, to just, you know, politely let them know, you know, you thank them. Uh, It's not something you choose to do or would like to do. Uh, but don't say right now and don't say, uh, that you know at this time, because they'll come back and say, "Okay, we're going to be doing it again in six months. I'll get back with you then." Right now, you're in another uh, another fix. Oh yeah, yep. So you're just letting them know, and that's how a go giver says no. They do it with politeness, tact, kindness, and respect.
0: One of the principles in the book is influence. How mm-hmm. does a go giver create influence, both personally? and in business and how does that directly relate to new business and even leadership
1: basically when you think of influence on a on a, a and again just on a basic level it can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action usually within the, con- the context of a specific goal but it's important to realize that while that might be the definition of influence it's not its essence the essence of influence is pull pull as opposed to push Mm-hmm. Many of us have heard the saying, how far can you push a rope? And the answer is not very, fa- at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't push. They don't push themselves. They don't push their ideas on others. They're not pushy, right? The uh, What's the opposite of push? It's pull. Right, and that's what influencers do. You you know, you never hear someone say, "Wow, that David or that Leslie, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people." No, she's influential. She has a lot of pull with people. That's pull is. It's an attraction. Great influencers attract people first to themselves, and then to their ideas. Now, the question is, how do you do that? Okay, how does this pull manifest itself? And this aligns with law number three from the go-giver, the law of influence, which says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Again, not in a self-sacrificial way. It's simply understanding that as Joe, the protege in the story learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business of sales is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know like and trust. Yes. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely and authentically moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. So the great influencer asks themselves questions such as, How does what I what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals? with their needs, their wants, their desires? How does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? What problems am I helping them to solve? Again, how am I moving them closer to happiness? And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully and intelligently, again, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another person into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process, now we've come a lot closer to being influential.
0: Bob, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Hearing Matters Podcast. Again, for our listeners tuned in, if you go on to the Hearing Matters Podcast Instagram handle, we will be raffling off a copy of Bob Berg and John David Mann's book, The Go-Giver. So you will have the opportunity to win a free copy of The Go-Giver you're tuned in to the Hearing Matters Podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaise Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs. Until next time, hear life story. Thanks again for tuning in to the Hearing Matters Podcast today. I'm your host, Blaise Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life story.